Welcome to the I Hate Critics Movie Review Podcast. I'm your executive producer, Bob Zerl. Coming up later is professional film critic, Sean Patrick and Jeff Lasseter. Before we get there, though, I want to remind you to go to our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, X, handle those Critics Pod, and Facebook, it's I Hate Critics. Uh, we also have the I Hate Critics 94 podcast there as well. Uh, check us out on YouTube with Everyone's a Critic podcast. Uh, all of the podcatchers, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Alexa, uh, go listen to us there, subscribe. If you go to Apple Podcasts, subscribe and write and review the show or read your reviews on the air. Uh, Patreon.com is the best place to help support the podcast. Patreon.com slash CriticsPod. We also have our public link over at IHateCritics.net. It's our website. Uh, on this week's episode, we'll be talking about Driveway Dolls, Ordinary Angels, and the classic 9 to 5. Uh, next week, we got Dune 2 coming out, and I believe they're going to do a special Denis Villeneuve tribute show. So, without further ado, here's the episode. Welcome to the I Hate Critics podcast. I am professional film critic Sean Patrick. With me is Jeff. Hey, what's up? Jeff, where's your stuff? JeffLasseter.com. That's my website. Uh, Etsy, TeePublic, kind of. um, You name it. I've got it. And uh, I'm at Geeks.media, Horror.media. I'm about to publish yet another one of my uh, Horror in the 90s pieces, finally. Uh, so stop and start, but I'm I'm getting there. I'm about to publish Body Parts, Jeff. Oh, the Jeff Fahey movie. Yes, indeed. Quite quite the film that one. <laughs> <laughs> quite the unique movie. I I had no idea that uh, when you have the arm of a killer grafted on, that you immediately become a champion fingerer. Well, I mean, <laughs> sense memory and all that, I guess. <laughs> Oh man! Why do movies do that? Why do movies like the hand? Remember the hand? <laughs> or uh, idle hands? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> These serial killers always just have this uh, this amazing tendency for for sexuality. It would seem. Yeah. <laughs> I I I laughed a lot, but there are a couple of really good moments. Like the, some of the body horror in the film is genuinely pretty good uh but a lot of the movie is just a lot of, just a lot of bullshit <laughs> well i mean i can see that i've never actually seen the movie though so oh no no i haven't oh wow yeah the serial killer's body parts are given out to various different people his legs are given to one guy his other arm is given to brad duraf and the killer's head is somehow still alive and calling them all back together. <laughs> <laughs> they saved Hitler's brain. Do you remember that? <laughs> oh. I'll have to check that check out your review. Yeah, over two thousand words already. <laughs> oh Jesus. <laughs> it's an epic, but it's fun. 
Sounds good to me. Uh, anything fun on your end? What are you working on? Uh, I'm working on some stuff for Days of the Dead next month. There's also a show. Um, the QuadCon is going to be at North Park Mall again on uh, March 3rd or 9th and 10th, I think, are the mm. dates. Um, so if you're in the Quad City area, come out and see me there. Um, hopefully I'll have some new stuff uh, that I'm working on there. Um, just ordered some, some more stickers and a couple new ones. So, you know, just... Doing my, it's going to be my first show of the year. So, and then a couple weeks after that is Days of the Dead in Chicago. So, oh, nice. It's getting to be that time of year. That's good. Yeah, I can't wait. Convention time has got to be just, uh, it's always been a good time for you, but like it's, it's also a time where you actually can get out and you know you've got some money coming in. Well, yeah, I mean, they are kind of touch and go. Like, um, the first time I did days of the dead was in 2021 and mm-hmm. the fall of 2021. And I, I mean, it was great. It was like so amazing how much, you know, I, I made a lot of money. I made a lot of contacts, whatever. Uh, I hadn't done it until last November. That was the first, I didn't do it in 2022, but last November was a weird, <laughs> a weird one. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Just not a lot of, not a lot of business. Everybody was talking about how, you know, they didn't do much. And I'm hoping this one, I'm hoping this one, this has got a Hellraiser slash Nightbreed reunion. Oh, wow. So, nice. Um, and I love the movie Nightbreed. So I'm working, I'm working up an idea for that. I'm working on a Hellraiser piece. I'm hoping to have finished by the end of the week. So yeah. Very cool. I would buy, I would definitely buy Cronenberg's mask. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Because that's one of the cra- I, that movie that mask from Nightbreed does not get talked about enough as being one of the creepiest creations in horror film history. Oh, absolutely, yeah. That is, um, it's it's the first time I really remembered a blank, kind of expressionless mask. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw it in high school. I was I was actually on the school newspaper, and they sent me a press kit for Nightbreed. <laughs> and oh wow. I, you know, I got to review it and I got to go see it for free and um, took a friend of mine and she could not even handle it. How bad <laughs> his mask was. She was just like, I don't want to watch the rest of this movie. And I mean, it's, you know, and then it, it was what it was. It wasn't about that necessarily, but the scene where the little boy is, you know, oh, that's such, that is the stairs. phenomenal scene. Yeah. Yeah, that movie, that scene in that movie is one of the scariest things I ever saw when I saw it. So. That legitimately is so, I mean, the staging, the direction, the creepy, the creep factor, it's so good. The apples, the, the, yeah, the, the oranges, yeah. He put so much thought into every camera angle to make sure that it had an element to it that was going to add to the, to the tension and the suspense and the fear. So good. Yeah, exactly. Just, I just, so if you haven't seen Nightbreed, maybe we should do that as a classic uh, next month. So. It's certainly a possibility. I've, I've recently watched it. Obviously it's a, it's an entry in my book, so it's already, Mm -hmm. I've already got that, but uh, yeah, it's possible. 
All right. Uh, speaking of movies, there are new movies this week. Uh, we'll start with uh, Ordinary Angels, starring two-time Academy Award-winning actress uh, Hilary Swank, uh, along with Jack Reacher. can't remember his real name. I know he plays Jack Reacher. <laughs> That's what I do know. Is that who he is? Okay. Yeah. Because I saw him, and I'm like, I don't know who this guy is, but... Um, <laughs> he... Richson. Rich, Alan Richson, maybe. Okay, yeah. I think Alan Richson, yeah. Um, Sounds right. Yeah, I guess I really didn't know who he was, uh, even though he was in the you know I've seen the Hunger Games movies, and I he's never did big, watch Reacher. He's a big hunk of man. <laughs> that he is. That he is. Uh, Ordinary Angels is based off of a true story: a family uh, where the wife uh, passes away, and then not so not, not so long after the. Five-year-old daughter of the family needs a liver transplant in order to survive. Uh, this woman comes out of comes into their lives basically out of nowhere after having heard about uh, the mother passing away and the daughter needing a transplant. She starts off just kind of doing a little mini front fundraiser at her business, and then uh, she really decides to just throw herself into getting involved and helping this family turn their lives around and. Uh, again, this woman really did these things, and that makes it all the more impressive. Uh, and I found the movie impressive. Uh, surprisingly, I was really not looking forward to this, because this is the director of Jesus Revolution and several other really awful films. So I was not holding out hope this would this, this would be any good. But Hilary Swank is such a great actress for this kind of role. She she has the energy, and she, she's like a force of nature when she comes into her scene. And instead, of, and it could under a bad actress, it would feel like a like bad acting. It would feel obvious, and it doesn't feel obvious at her. It feels kind of natural when it comes from Hillary Swank, and I really just appreciate her energy and the life that she breathes into this. You know, obviously, this is based on a true story, so there's a lot of brutalization of the words based on a true story. Like, <laughs> it's doing a lot of lifting there. <laughs> it's doing a lot of lifting, but but the most important scene at the end with the helicopter is real. There's real yes. footage of that. That did happen. And she managed to get a helicopter and a private plane to get that kid to that hospital. And that to me, I was so moved by that by that final sequence and it's almost like an action movie sequence from like the start of the third act to the end of the movie. It's almost like an action movie is unfolding. And I was really impressed by, by the energy of that. Uh, and uh, overall, I, I did like this movie more than I thought I would. I, I did cry. I, I got a little misty at one point. I'm not going to, you know, like, I'm not going to lie about that. I will say this. Um, I felt when I saw the trailer that it was going to be a pure flicks piece of whatever oh. they do. Mm. Um, but I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, it did remind me of one of my favorite based on a true story movies, which is Aaron Brockovich to the point where I kept calling Hillary Swank, Sharon Brockovich. Um, <laughs> and I think based on the fact that the guy's name was Ed, <laughs> and she kept saying Ed, and I was like, I just watched Aaron Brockovich like a week or so ago. It was like my my sleep movie, yeah. and I I kept saying, Oh my god, she she's doing Aaron Brockovich. She's doing Aaron Brockovich. <laughs> then I was like, and then when she came in and she was kind of nosing her way in, I was like, mm. Oh, she's Karen. She's Karen Brockovich. <laughs> and then I realized, No, she's Sharon Brockovich because her name is Sharon. So. Um, <laughs> 
that's my super reductive uh, but, review of it is Sharon but I, Brockovich. But I mean that that Aaron Brockovich moment though that she gets with the uh, with the medical bills where she's sitting opposite uh, yes. the hospital. That's a great scene. I know it's derivative of Aaron Brockovich and is certainly not based in the reality of exactly what happened, but it's a great moment in a movie. It's very satisfying as a movie moment because when she says to her, do you think this is funny? <laughs> like, yeah. I was like, I sat up in my chair a little bit like what? <laughs> well, and that was, that was kind of, I was with the movie until then that scene. I was like, Oh, come on. This is, okay. This is from Aaron. One of those kind of movies, but when she gave him the frame and, and started, that you might want to frame this. Bit, oh my God. I'm going to fucking cry in the theater. And I, <laughs> I, I, I cried at the end for sure. The the, the helicopter and the, the whole that whole sequence uh, because it's just we are capable of that. We are capable of being good as human mm -hmm. beings. We can we can come together and be good. We we're so often shown the worst and ugliest parts of ourselves that when when I see something so genuine come to pass it, it just it moves me deeply to see that kind of compassion and care and yeah. and it reminded me that you know we are we're so capable of this that uh, why aren't we why don't we have universal health care why is this why is a family <laughs> that lost a mom and nearly lost a little girl having to worry about five hundred and fifty thousand dollars worth of medical bills mm -hmm. like that should just not be a thing that just should not be a thing uh, we live in a country right now where people will donate hundreds of dollars to a GoFundMe campaign for a child's cancer fight. But then you ask them if they support universal health care and they tell you to go fuck yourself. And it's like, <laughs> what do you what do you what do you mean? Well, it's, just, it's the same thing, you moron. It's it's there's a me. Um, conversation but it was doctors from another country came here and or the, uh, the other way around uh doctor from here went to a socialite finland or iceland or somewhere and they were you know mm. well, where is the profit where does the profit come in you know well they're like what profit <laughs> well you know how do we make our but you know it's not <laughs> the government subsidizes it but yeah mm -hmm. but where's the you know how do you buy a lamborghini why would you do a Lamborghini? You know, it's just, it's one of those things where I, my dad was, so my dad was a union guy growing up and, you know, we went on strike and did all this stuff and yada, yada, yada. And um, over the years, as he watched Fox News with my brother more and more, he became yeah. more anti-union and anti-this and anti-that and I asked him one time, I said, I'm going to ask you a serious question. If you had to pay 7%, which I think is the, the number at the time that I had heard, if you had to pay 7% of your income in taxes for universal health care so that people didn't have to do GoFundMes or uh, die because they couldn't afford insulin, would that be 
you know, is that too much? Well, I don't want any more take. I, I don't want any more taxes taken out. I'm like, well, you're getting nickel and dime to, to death by the healthcare. You know, he was a veteran, and he went to the VA, but he still had you know medical bills and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, it's movies like this where you see a community come together, and you see them actually like going out and being human beings and not caring about who voted for who or who did what to, you know, they're mm-hmm. trying to save this little girl's life. And the fact that she had to raise 500 grand from doing hair and doing all that stuff, it shouldn't have to be that way. You know, it's, it's, it's doable. <laughs> every other company, every other country in the world that's you know an A list country mm-hmm. does it. We aren't. We we don't because there's no pro- there's no profit in not in actually helping people. So I mean, well, the thing of it is, if you ask people just in general, do you support universal health care? They all say yes. Mm-hmm. Everyone says yes to the basic concept of universal health care, and then somebody gets in there, but taxes. And then they go, no, 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 mine, 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 mine. Yeah. And it just, then we lose it. Uh, and it, it's frustrating because, you know, again, like this movie demonstrates, people will come together and help uh, when asked. I mean, she initially raised $3,000 just from cutting hair. Yeah. Like people will happily donate their own money to pay for medical bills and, and yet you ask them to pay that money to build a universal healthcare system. And they're like, no, make yeah, it make yeah. sense. Make it make sense. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> well, and I, th- I, I, I want to see, I, I want to see, I've, uh, I would love to just be able to go into the doctor and not have to worry about my, if they, if they even take the insurance that I'm paying for, oh, it says they do, mm-hmm. you know, and all that. And, and I don't even have a rare liver disorder like this little girl did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just seeing how how it just devastates a family. And I've known people who one of one of my friends in New York had a heart attack, and when all was said and done, the they sent him a bill for four hundred and seventy some thousand dollars, and you know, like $30 aspirin times three and, you know, stuff like that. And I'm like, come on. It's the bloatedness of our system that that is just driven by profits that would allow a girl like this, this little girl to die. Mm-hmm. Because it's not, because the profit is not there in saving her. Well, and think about it just on a, on a different, in a different way too. If we had universal health care, and yes, we're being political here. Just get to deal with it. <laughs> uh, if we had universal health care, how much more pleasant people would be on a daily basis? Because right now, yeah. people are going around suffering regularly, uh, just kind of hoping to get past things that have been bothering them for a long time. Like I needed to have tubes put in my ears so I could hear, and it was miserable because I could, I struggled to hear people. Now yeah. I've got tubes in my ear, but I had to pay a lot for them. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if I had just got that done immediately, how much better, how much more pleasant would my life be? And how much ple- more pleasant would I be to others? And like people who are just suffering every day from various ailments, if they could just go to the doctor when they needed to and not have to worry about being completely devastated by it, 
it would greatly improve the lives of everyone. Yep. Yep. Well, I think that have you heard of the happiness index? I've, I've heard of it. I'm, you can get a go into it if you want. Well, it's basically, it's like, you know, the countries that are the happiest are all the countries that don't have to worry about that. They could just, you know, I mean, okay, England, they're miserable just because the monarchy, but that's a whole other thing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but, you know, like Iceland and stuff like that, they're just, they're happier people and they don't have to worry about all this. And I thought about that a lot during the movie. I was just like, you know what? This just imagine if this guy could spend the time, what little time he might have with his daughter, spend that time with her and you know, in the hospital and whatever, instead of having to work from sun up to sun past sundown putting roofs on. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. like you know, just I I think compassion for me is is a big thing especially as i'm getting older i feel even people i disagree with on a lot of fundamental things i mm-hmm. still i've started to like feel more compassion for people and um i had an, actually an argument online a couple weeks ago with a guy who was very very anti um uh universal health care and I said, why? And he said, well, you know, our taxes are going to go up and ca- and the level of care is going to go down. And and through that whole, um, well, if you're in Canada, you can't get an operation to save your life, which is not true. Yeah. You know, made up. And I think, yeah. Um, it's, and I was just like, well, I don't want you to die. And he goes, why not? We, you know, you don't like Trump and I don't like Biden. I'm like, I don't, first of all, I don't care about Biden. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but um, he was not even my third choice. Um, right. <laughs> but I, I, you know, I don't, I don't care about that as much as I care about somebody not dying because they have a completely curable disease. You know, you could manage. He, this guy could have managed his heart disease much easier if he could just go and get it taken care of, you know, or mm-hmm. have preventative medicine. And I know that that's one of the things that, um, you know, the Obama administration was trying to get through was preventative care as opposed to just, you know, ending up at palliative. So, yeah, exactly. I mean, people like part of the, I know people who whine about, well, I don't want to pay for, for some guy to, you know, he, who, who's taken himself into being, desperately overweight and now he has diabetes i don't want to have to pay for that that's his fault and it's like well no if the, if we'd gotten involved sooner and taught this person how to manage this they could have avoided that and it, you wouldn't have that cost yeah and that i mean that is even another whole issue of like um you know farm subsidies and subsidizing food that's not good for you because it has corn in it you know they use high high fructose corn syrup instead of sugar and that's it's just it's everything is profit motivated to the point where we're all gonna die because of it. <laughs> and then we're you know i mean but it, and it's like yeah you can you can make millions and millions of dollars as a doctor or whatever if you go into a certain specialty but what are you going to do with it? If you die, you know, I mean, you're going to die eventually. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know. I'm just, yeah, I guess I'm your, your six into a house is not going to do you any good when you're in the ground guys. I'm just, just going to lay that out there for you. <laughs> we, you know, like we'll sit at work and we'll often talk about what would you do if you won a lottery? Mm -hmm. And uh, last week I was talking to a lady and she's a little older than I am. Um, and she said, what would you do? And I said, you know what? I'd buy a house here in Iowa. That would be my, you know, my go-to place where I have all my, all my shit, you know, like all my star Wars toys and my collectibles, but I would still go do um, conventions and I might buy a small condo uh, in Los Angeles because I like it out there. And I like, I'd like to be able to not have to get an Airbnb or a hotel every time I go out. Um, might buy something in New York, but I would not have palatial mansions everywhere. Mm -hmm. Oh, not me. Oh my God. If I, I would have in you know Florida and Texas and California and Seattle, I'd buy big mansions and whatever. I'm like, why? <laughs> and she about freaked out when I said one of the things that would give me an absolute kick to do because I have been poor. I have been the person who is like goes to Aldi and can't afford, you know, more than three boxes of macaroni and cheese. Um, I couldn't even afford, there was one time I, I, I could buy uh, four boxes of those of the Aldi mac and cheese when it was 40 cents a piece, mm -hmm. but I couldn't even afford a thing of hot dogs to put in it. So, and I just used water instead of butter and milk. Um, so to me, being able to go and just hand out hundred dollar gift cards to people as they're walking in Aldi, that would, that's the kind of thing that gives me a kick. Yeah. And you know, would, would, be something I would want to do with all that money that I'm never going to spend. Um, but I, but it's all, it's, it's so profit. Everything is so profit driven and you're constantly being advertised to um, about buying the next best thing and keeping up with the Joneses and all that. And I just kind of like, I guess call me a hippie or whatever you want to call me, <laughs> call me a commie fascist, whatever, you know, that you, can understand, <laughs> you don't understand the mm -hmm. definition of. Yeah. Call me whatever you want, but I just I I I read something today a rising tide um should lift all boats, not just the yachts. <laughs> that's yeah, gonna stick exactly. with me for the rest of my life. Yeah. No, that's true. That's absolutely true. It's uh it, it is frustrating that, that there are so many people who refuse to see it that way. Um and it, you know the the simping for billionaires is just it's yeah. bizarre. I find it so bizarre. I was, I was, you know, I've been doing this little kind of hashtag thing about the whole Warner Brothers Zaslav thing, and I keep getting these these bros going. To be fair, I'm like fuck off, uh, you're blocked. Like you're blocked. Like, stop simping for billionaires. Like just stop. They don't care that you support them. They don't care that that you that you want to be them and have a and be a billionaire yourself. They don't care. They're not going to make you a billionaire just because you're supportive of what they do. <laughs> Elon so Musk would not piss pathetic. on you if you were on fire. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, I guess get it. <laughs> I guess while you're watching this wonderful movie that I thought I was going to hate, just think about some of that stuff. Think about the fact that, you know, this woman 
should be in charge of policy instead of having to do hair to make, you know, to make for grant. She should be the kind of person who comes up with solutions for stuff. Um, We have those people out there, but they're just too poor to go to school and get in the right rooms and things like that. So uh, to get back to the movie, I guess, (laughs) watch (laughs) the movie. It was, is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, she's she's one of our finest actresses. She's she's done this before in other movies similar to this. Uh, she takes she takes movies that uh, like Freedom Riders, and she just makes them better, even though they feel like formula films that you've seen before. Her mm-hmm. energy, her life, uh, the just the her her approach to it, it just makes it better. That she's just one of those actors. I feel like she does stuff like this that could be a lifetime movie of the week. Mm-hmm. But she does it because she connects with it. She's like doesn't have anything to prove. She's got two back to back Oscars. Mm-hmm. You know, she doesn't have to. <laughs> she doesn't have anything to prove, so she can do whatever she feels like doing. And, and she I'm can glad that she did this. this. Oh yeah, I'm glad she did this because I wouldn't. Quite honestly, if we weren't doing it for the show, it would have been something I maybe watched streaming. Yeah. Um. And I would have felt bad that I didn't see it in the theater. So. All right, uh, let's get on to the week's other new movie, which is Drive Away Dolls, which is uh, directed by one half of the Coen brothers and starring Margaret Qualley and, uh, oh gosh, I, I had her name in my head and now it's gone. Oh, uh, 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 Geraldine, uh, Geraldine, uh, <laughs> I've got it here. Yes, uh, Vis- 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 uh They play a couple of friends who are uh, <laughs> who are going to go on a road trip. Uh, accidentally taking a car that was supposed to go to somebody else. That car happens to have inside of it uh, some things <laughs> that are <laughs> that are. No, you're not going to predict what they are, folks. You can think. You can sit there and think you know what's going to be in this car. You have no <laughs> idea. You don't know. <laughs> I'm telling you now, you can't predict this. And I just loved that. Uh, but you can't really predict anything about this movie. The film like opens on uh, Geraldine Viswanathan's character calling Margaret Qualley's character. And she's in the middle of sex. <laughs> Margaret Qualley's just going to town. <laughs> Full-on lesbian mm-hmm. sex scene that is just, uh, wow, Just that's the way we're starting the movie. Okay, we're in. <laughs> we're going. <laughs> Uh, the movie doesn't slow down from there. Uh, I really, uh, this is a, this is a movie that is uh, very uh, sex positive, and I appreciated that. It's also incredibly funny uh, uh, as it goes along. The twists and turns are are remarkable, and it, it's a. It reminded me in part of of a little bit of Bottoms from last year, and a little bit yes. of Raising Arizona. Uh, there was the, there was elements of both of those movies in this, and I really loved that. I, it also kind of reminded me a little bit of Booksmart, and I don't know if that was because Beanie Feldstein was in it, but also that sex positivity <laughs> with a lesbian character that, you know, mm-hmm. I, and I guess, are we calling it Driveway Dykes? Because that was, I think, the original title and um, shows up at the end. But <laughs> I, I had so much fun. <laughs> I, I, oh my god the fact that the movie's only an hour and a half long too that you know it's it never stops no it does not slow down just, for a moment <laughs> yeah everything everything about it and you'll 
when when what is a revealed to be in the suitcase is not Marcellus Wallace's soul, by the way. <laughs> um, but as as that kind of is revealed, and you're just like, I'm sorry, wait, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> and the fact that 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 I'm not going to spoil who the who plays the person who puts something in that bot or you know is is responsible for that but the fact that that person is based on an actual person wait i'm sorry what uh, now? yes <laughs> that person's character is based on an actual person who <laughs> actually did that kind of thing oh my and when they said her character's name, I was like, I knew it. I knew, oh my God, I had, I have actually, I heard a whole podcast about that or podcast episode. Um, so yeah, that's actually, that, that is based on a real thing. Um, I, <laughs> I mean, also don't, don't, uh, don't go to see a Pedro Pascal movie. Is all I'm going to say. <laughs> he is the Drew Barrymore in Scream of this movie. Definitely, He's really the only there for a very minute. Very... Barely says a word. Yeah. Um. He's a collector of fine art. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Large scale pieces. <laughs> um. The the cameos in this movie were perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, I I really I, when when they, okay so the girls go they're basically um, Margaret Margaret Qualley's character wants to hit up every dike dike bar on the way down to Florida where they're going with this car mm-hmm. and <laughs> the fact that some of the names. Of those, I'm not going to give those. Away. I just want people to see this and be surprised and just right? completely immersed in it. Um, I am like I, I, I actually when I watch them, I enjoy the Coen Brothers movies, but I'm not somebody who's like I have to see them opening weekend at the first, you know, Thursday showing. Mm. But every time I, every time I see them, I enjoy them, and this is. I think this is one of the better ones in recent memory for me. Um, at, at just, just the fact that it's the clip, it just goes by. It's such a, a fast clip and every, every joke lands. I didn't, everybody was laughing. I didn't have a lot of people in my screening of it, but everybody was laughing out loud throughout the movie. And I had, I was sitting in front of a couple lesbians and they were, <laughs> the the wall dildo <laughs> first of all beanie feldstein i i glorious she is so fucking funny and <laughs> i i i understand that she is jonah hill's sister yeah and that that kind of informs how i see her but her delivery is always like, you know how Jonah Hill, he has some good, you know, not all of his deliveries land, mm-hmm. but the ones that do, 
she has that same delivery every time in almost everything she does. Yeah. And she's like the unsung hero of this movie. When she's, when she's sitting at the, she plays a cop and she's sitting at the desk. She's the booking cop. And I'm sorry, what do you, what the fuck do you think you're doing? And she's just yelling and you know, like <laughs> what the officer said, I got, did I, is he, is he the booking agent? Is he sit the fuck down, go back to your cell, Mr. Uh, in, like, uh, yeah. day trader or something like that. I don't know, but I was just like, it was good. It was it, it, oh. just the, the timing, the, the, the energy is just on point. She's just delivering in every possible way. It's, it's glorious to watch. She's just, but I mean, all, every scene builds on top of the next one, mm-hmm. on top of the next one. There's no fat on this movie at all. It's no. perfectly calibrated to the point where even as as raucous and as funny and as and is you know as, as sexual as the movie is, it still takes on a bit of a sweetness late in the movie. To the yep. point where one of the one of the best moments of the movie, one of the biggest laughs, is a very kind of sweet and tender moment. No, oh, yeah, yeah. Speaking of the shower sex scene, is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What a great scene! It it built it built to something that was very you know sweet, and I was very surprised that this movie could be that sweet and tender and honest. Yeah, I and I, <laughs> I have a new, uh, I have a new phrase that I'm going to use over and over and over <laughs> because of this movie. Whenever mm. somebody's like, "Hey, will you do this for me?" I'm going to say, "I pussy promise." <laughs> I laughed so hard and I, <laughs> and the f- funny thing is like the two lesbians behind me, when I was laughing, they started laughing even more. And then it, <laughs> we were all leaving at the same time. Mm-hmm. And uh, she goes, the one goes, Oh my God, I love this movie so much. I'm like, Oh, me too. She goes, I'm going to tell all my friends. I said, you know what? Me too. I pussy promise. And <laughs> we all fell out. So That's yeah. Great. It was just really bringing yeah. people together. Yes. <laughs> the power of the pussy promise. <laughs> so please go see this movie. Um, I, I it was limited time this morning, so I had to go see it at Cinemark, but this was the movie I wanted to see at last picture house. Mm-hmm. Um, just cause I feel like you know, I want to be immersed, I guess. Um, I might actually see this again. If I have any time whatsoever while it's still in the theater. Get there quick, because uh, it did not. It didn't perform great. Uh, it only did two point four million dollars at over two thousand theaters. So, Ooh. yeah, it, it struggled, uh, which is unfortunate because people really should see this movie. Support movies like this. I mean, yeah, if you support movies like this, uh, they'll make more of them. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the key thing to remember. And I know that you know smaller movies like this are going to gain a lot during streaming, and um, you know I'll buy this. I will buy this. I, I want to have this in my collection for when they take it off of Max or wherever it's going to go. Because, <laughs> right. You know to put in another investigate show. So, <laughs> investigate. So I I just yeah this this movie. Please go see it. Please watch it. Please enjoy it. 
So just a, just a tangent. Do you think the producers of those investigate shows murder a bunch of people just to give themselves something to do? <laughs> you know what? I don't think they have to. <laughs> there are enough fucked up people that don't have universal health care, <laughs> so they have to stay married. That you know, the only way to get the only way to get enough money to pay for their stuff is to kill their spouse. So. <laughs> And we're never going to get away from having a show about Ted Bundy or Jeffrey Dahmer or, you know, it, they're all going to still make money off of that. So, Very true. Very true. Now, that uh, movie. Oh, I'm sorry. Did, yes, you were saying? I was going to say, that movie is why I picked this week's classic. Just nothing is, to do with lesbians, Jeff. I was very disappointed. <laughs> no, but it does have to do with something in a trunk. <laughs> A sim- similar stuff in a trunk, okay? Um, I picked 9 to 5, which is one of my probably top 10 favorite movies if I'm really like drilling down because I can never, it never gets old to me. Um, I, I'll give a summary if you'd like. Please. Um, Jane Fonda plays Judy Burnley, a recent divorcee who is starting her first day at Consolidated Companies. Uh, which they just do office stuff. It doesn't really necessarily say what they do. Um, Lily Tomlin is Violet Newstead, charged with showing Judy the ropes. And their boss, Franklin Hart Jr., is portrayed by Dabney Coleman. He's a sexist, egotistical, lying, hypocritical bigot who uses Violet to do his bidding while she's up for a promotion. That she doesn't get. When she's passed over, she goes on a tirade and lets Frank's secretary, Dora Lee, who is played by Dolly Parton, uh, think Frank has been saying she's his mistress. So they all leave and go get drunk and high, and together they fantasize about what ways to do in the boss. Uh, and there are three pretty hilarious uh, dream sequences uh, that tie to that. Um, the next day, Violet comes in, and she buys some rat poison at the store, I'm assuming for her house, not the building they work in. Mm-hmm. Um, but she accidentally puts it in Hart's coffee because the boxes look just like skinny and sweet, which is the fictional sweetener that they use. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately he falls in his faulty chair and blacks out before he can drink it. So this leads to body snatching, eluding the police, kidnapping, extortion, but in a really funny way. <laughs> So you like this movie? I love this movie. <laughs> I'm actually wearing a t-shirt of a drawing that I did of this movie. That's how much I, this is one of the first movies I remember seeing all the way through. This is my mom's movie. Like my mom loved this movie, so I've kind of avoided it for many years. I've seen Your it. Your mom had good taste. <laughs> right, it's just one of those things where, you're, where when when your parent chooses to like something or seems to choose to like something, you just kind of define yourself by being not opposed to it, but just not having an opinion of it. <laughs> so I've never had an opinion of nine to five, and I don't know if I still do or not. I, I, it was fine. I enjoyed it enough. It's it it's it passes the time pretty well. I, I'm not a other than Clute. I've never been a big. Jane Fonda fan, especially her modern stuff, just makes me like wince when I see her on screen anymore. Uh, the, the this the, the stuff she does now is just so bad, uh, like eighty for Brady and that crap. Uh, that but seeing her face on screen doesn't exactly excite me. 
I can say the same about Lily Tomlin, although she's got better stuff on her resume, I think, recently, at least. Uh, but, man, uh, yeah, I, I don't get excited about them. I thought Dolly Parton was great. I thought Dolly Parton was desperately underrated uh, throughout mm -hmm. this. She's she's such a great presence. And uh, uh, yeah, she's she's the sweetest character in the movie. She's also, like, kind of sexy and, and, and smarter than just about everybody else in the movie. And I really liked uh, the way that they portrayed uh, Dorley. Uh, Dabney Coleman is one of my least favorite actors. I find him <laughs> deeply, deeply unpleasant, which is appropriate for the role. It's definitely appropriate for the role. But nevertheless, I find him to be a deeply unpleasant actor, and I don't like seeing him in anything. Huh. Well, okay, well, show's <laughs> over. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I... You're painfully straight right now, first of all. Um, that's strike one. Hey, I got a uh, tattoo, no. okay? Oh, ooh, you got an Elizabethtown <laughs> tattoo. Ooh. Yeah. Um, but so how do I articulate what this movie means to me? Um, the... I guess it's the sensibilities of this movie. Um, I do like Jane Fonda and quite a bit of stuff. Her, you know, her later stuff. I it's Grace and Frankie is a really funny show. Most mm. of the time. I don't know if you ever. No, I, no, I, I, can't, TV. I can't, I can't see you watching that. So, <laughs> um, you know, and her and Lily Tomlin, they kind of team up again and play completely different characters than they do here. Um, I was really, really hoping for, Dolly to come on in the last season for just a few, you know, a bunch of episodes and, but whatever, I, I digress. I think the chemistry of all three of the leads plus Dabney Coleman, who I don't think gets enough credit for his part in this movie. It's mm. usually, you know, um, the movie was actually written based off an idea that Jane Fonda had about uh, striking female office workers and how, you know, they, they always come up against sexism and, you know, bigotry and all that kind of stuff. And that's kind of the the germination of the idea came from that. Um, don't tell me about that that darn liberal Jane Fonda. <laughs> Hanoi Jane. Oh, God. <laughs> Dad, is that you? Are you back in the day? I worked in talk radio in the late 90s, early 2000s, and people would, I mean, at that time would still call her that. And I'm like, let mm -hmm. it the fuck go. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. Those are the same people who are fine with President Bonespurs, by the way. <laughs> um, just putting that out there. Uh, <laughs> we've got like three listeners left. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> but, but, I, I, she was kind of one, one of the ones who came up with the idea and it was drama um, because that's what she was doing. Um, they turned it into a comedy and put Lily Tomlin in it. She, her timing is absolutely brilliant in this movie. Um, you know, some of the lines are stuff that I still say to this day. Uh, and I've watched this movie a bunch of times. Um, when uh, she, Roz comes up to her and says, did you get my memo? Yes, I tore right through it. Um, 
You know, I want, oh, here, take this. Thanks, Roz. I know just where to stick it. <laughs> Stuff like that. I still say that shit to these, to this day. Um, mm -hmm. This was, this is my, probably my favorite comedy. And I don't know if that has to do with the fact that, you know, the actors in it are all kind of larger than life. And that's what us homosexuals kind of dig. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, just the, the dream sequences where, you know, Lily Tomlin's basically playing Snow White and she poisons Hart and then turns around the next day and does exactly that. Um, mm -hmm. The, you know, like lines like, Vera, we got another stiff in the John. Another stiff in the John. Not just a stiff in the John, another stiff in the John. Mm -hmm. um, when, when she's talking, when uh, Lily Tomlin is talking to the candy striper who is played by Florence Henderson's daughter. Uh, her character's name is Buffy, by the way. And she's like, <laughs> she's like, Oh, you're a doctor. I didn't, I didn't see your name badge. And she's like, I'm a doctor. The hell am I talking to you for? Piss off. Like, I mean, you know, that, that goes back to our, our talk about doctors earlier, but mm -hmm. um, you know, it's just little things like that. And how, <laughs> You know, they they, they think they kill the boss, so they steal the body, and it's the wrong body. And we all know that, but they don't mm -hmm. know that. And then they get in a car accident, and they go to the trunk, and Dolly Parton, who's just she's just going to get the tire iron away from the dead body of her boss, who, you know, just died, she thinks. And the way she delivers the line, Judy, could you come back here for just a second after she realizes that it's not heart? Did you come back? She, her delivery and her, her earnestness in this part are like you said, you know, she's very underrated, I think, as mm -hmm. a character. Um, and not as a person, everybody loves Dolly Parton, uh, except people who don't like Beyonce now that she's <laughs> a Beyonce fan. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, the, the chemistry is great with everybody in the movie um marion mercer who plays franklin hart's wife who just has a small small part um she, she just plays that oblivious wife who no she she probably has no idea what a dick her husband is and she but she's willing to go along with keeping you know in the dark as long as she's mm -hmm. able to take four month cruises and all that stuff um, yeah Peggy Pope as the as Margaret Foster, the old lush. Um, just the delivery of the line "at a girl," I say that all the time. Somebody's like the other day at work, they're mad about something. Like I'm gonna quit. I'm like at a girl. I don't know what it's from. It's just it's funny. Um, so yeah, I this is whether you like it or not. This movie is gonna remain one of my favorites. Um, I I would love to hear what Bob has to say about it. Yeah, um, I would I, but yeah, Bob has ever seen it or, you know, Bob but, would have something interest, more interesting to say than I do. I I I don't I like this movie enough. Like it's it's good. I can recognize that it's good. I can recognize it goes by really well. It's it's got a good pace to it. Uh there there are jokes. <laughs> I just there's just so many things about it. 
about it just outside of the movie, like the fact that I just can't stand the Dabney Coleman's face. And <laughs> <laughs> But see, that's where you should be like, in my opinion, you should be like, hey, you know what? This is the role he was born to play. Not, <laughs> not Buffalo Bill on that TV sitcom. Not, you know. Um, this was the... Uh, the and the fact that they're all still alive, I would love to see, you know, him come back from the Amazonian jungle and, you know, try to get them. I don't know. I just. Oh. Yeah, I, it, it's a good movie. It's a good movie. I'll acknowledge that. I, I just maybe not. This is not my favorite movie. I just don't. There's a lot of it I don't care for. Uh, whatever. <laughs> I'm kidding. I, everybody has different tastes. Yes. That's Some what it's all about. Wrong. Let's get to Flick Chart. What do you say? Sounds good to me. Uh, would you like a Wall Street or Awakenings? Oh, God. Mm. I don't like Wall Street, but I don't can't even imagine rewatching Awakenings. Uh, so Wall Street. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, if we got to pick between those two. Uh, yeah, I, I really loathe uh, uh, Wall Street, but it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Haunting in Connecticut or Roadhouse? Um, not the Jake Gyllenhaal Roadhouse, I'm assuming. Yeah, no one's seen that yet. <laughs> not even the director, who's refusing to see it. <laughs> I, I'm What? Doug Lyman refused to go to the premiere of the movie because they... They decided to send it straight to streaming as opposed to sending it to uh, theater, so he boycotted. Fair enough. Fair enough. Honestly, good uh, for him, man. Stick to yeah. your guns, dude. You made this to go to theaters, and they're not putting it in theaters? Fucking don't go. I get yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Roadhouse. Buy a lot for me. Yeah. Haunting yeah, in, in Connecticut sucks. Yeah, it's not <laughs> even good as a bad horror movie. All right. Coming up next, we have... Bridget Jones, The Edge of Reason, or Piranha 3D? <laughs> Three double D, you mean. <laughs> I refuse to say it that way. <laughs> it's Bridget Jones uh, for me. Yeah, it's going to have to be. I, it, That's unintentionally hilarious, whereas they're really on a three double D hilarious. Any movie that, that prominently features Jerry O'Connell's sheared off penis is just not a movie I want to watch. Well, I mean, if it was attached, I'd, <laughs> you know, we could have an argument about it, but. A Christmas story or a scary movie five. Oh God. I, so I, this is the first year I did not watch a Christmas story because I just, I can't get over how dumb and kind of racist it is. Um, <laughs> but how can you get over how dumb and racist scary movie five if is? you had said scary movie, if you hadn't added the five to it, I would pick scary movie. <laughs> Absolutely. But, but scary movie scary five, five. It's gonna be a Christmas story for me, dog. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, 300 or rules of engagement. Uh, rules of engagement is the, um, Samuel L. It? Jackson and Tommy Lee Jones. Oh, oh, okay. I'm, I, what am I thinking? Sarah, Jessica Parker, um, <laughs> a failure to launch or something. I don't know. Maybe. 
That's just what I pictured. Uh, I'm going to go for Rules of Engagement. It's not a good movie, but... It's not 300. <laughs> yeah, it's not Ger- Gerard Butler. <laughs> Let's see I mean, here. Uh, Rising Sun, starring Sean Connery and Wesley Snipes. Or No Strings Attached, with Natalie Portman and Ashton Kutcher. God, what is with flick chart tonight? <laughs> right. Um, I'm going with Rising Sun. I think because just no strings attached is so incredibly dull. Ra- Rising Sun's bad, but at least it's interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. <laughs> uh, let's see. What do we got next here? Nomeo and Juliet. The uh, animated film. Uh, obviously. <laughs> it's uh, gnomes acting out uh, Romeo and Juliet, Jeff. <laughs> oh, Jesus that or Christ. the mummy, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. I've never seen that. I'm picking that. Same. It's bad, but it's better than Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, or Nymphomaniac Volume 2. <laughs> <laughs> wow, they really want to like pick the absolute <laughs> polar opposites of movies. Yes. I, I'm going to go for Nymphomaniac. <laughs> yes, yeah, same. I mean, obviously, but it's just like, how do you pair those two fucking movies up? <laughs> Parasite or Death at a Funeral? Parasite. Parasite all the way. 100%. Great fucking movie. You know what? You, so I haven't seen that movie since the first time I saw it. You want to know why? Hmm. Because I'm always like, it's late at night and I'm trying to pick a movie and I'm like, oh, I should watch Parasite. And I'm like, I'm going to fall asleep to whatever movie I pick and I don't want to fall asleep to that. I want to watch it again. So I'm trying to find yeah. somebody who hasn't seen it so I can show it to them. Good idea. Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, or The Visitor, starring Richard Jenkins. I don't think I've ever seen that one. It's really good. It's really good. He's an older man who lives by himself, and he gets into drumming. Oh. Yeah. Good movie. Is it like a 50 years later sequel to Whiplash? (laughs) Not that kind of drumming. Similar, but not the same. Okay. Uh, all, uh, yeah, dogs, okay. <laughs> all dogs go to heaven or Beauty and the Beast, the live action adaptation with Hermione. <laughs> um, let's, I'm not going to go for the extremely emotionally manipulative all dogs go to heaven. Beauty and the yeah, Beast it is. Yeah. <laughs> She's really, actually, Emma Watson's actually pretty good in that. She is. She is. I finally watched that. And I was like, you know what? I, I, I I just picture the doll that looks like Justin Bieber in a bad wig. <laughs> but I finally watched it, and I'm like, okay, this is not bad. She's good. The Muppets 2011 or Transformers 2007? The Muppets. The Muppets. There's no question. Transformers, Transformers 2007. Sucks. So you can't even see what's going on. You can't. It's And it's so loud. It's so loud and uh, goes too fast. And they're like, I, I literally can. I thought for a minute, maybe, and I haven't gone back to watch it, that when the Transformers are moving around, that like, I don't think all the parts are even connected. I think they just 
swing something and smash it and explode it to hide that. But oh, it's just it's just un, it's unwatchable. It's an assault on the senses, and mm-hmm. I hate it. Adventureland <laughs> or Pandorum? Ah, oh, Adventureland. Same. I love Pan- I love Adventureland. I think it's a great movie. Uh, perks of being a wallflower or the time traveler's wife? Um, perks of being a wallflower. Same. Big night for Emma Watson movies. Mm-hmm. Forget that Ezra Miller is in that. <laughs> yeah. I, it, it's one of those things where it's it's about separating the artist from the art. And, there you go. <laughs> you know, it's like how can I watch a Woody Allen movie with Madonna if he, you know? And I'm just yeah. like because it's Madonna and not Woody Allen. I can't think of him. And you know, oh, I get, lot, I, lots of horrible people are brilliant artists, like myself. True. Um, <laughs> All right, this is a tough one, Jeff. Get ready. You got to make a hard decision here <laughs> between Day Day of the Dead or Morbius. It's Morbid Which Day time. of the Dead? <laughs> Nineteen eighty-five. Day of the Dead. One hundred thousand percent. Wait, it's not Morbid Time. I thought it was Morbid Time. It is never Morbid Time. <laughs> <laughs> I would tell Jared Leto to eat a bag of dicks, but he probably will. <laughs> just to prove a point. And then send the tips to his co-stars. Yes. Uh, <laughs> God, I hate it, Morbius. Black Hawk down or God's not dead? Black Hawk down. Definitely. That was not, not tough at all. And and I, I I refuse to call it God's Not Dead. I just saw it God's Dead because you can't see the knot. <laughs> and I know they did that on purpose, but God's dead. <laughs> All right, are you? Uh, th- we're talking about disparity between movies, and uh, <laughs> this one's this one's quite something, Jeff. Bring me the head of Alfredo Garcia or <laughs> Harriet the Spy. <laughs> <laughs> Bring me the head of Harriet the Spy. <laughs> Oh, Bob, if you're listening, that's the name of this episode. <laughs> Bring me the head of Harriet the Spy. And we're done. There's no topping that. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Night.